that he doesn't have something special for us. Because the moment we do that, we set ourselves up to, to fail. We set ourselves up for defeat. We set him up to feel like he's defeated us. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. So I just, I'm excited. I just want to um, show you guys my tool. Kenrick loves this tool. Right, Kenrick? Okay. This is awesome. This is a sword that was um, given to this ministry from an apostle. And he has already passed away. And we went to the funeral. And it was funny when we went to the funeral and, and all the sons, you know, of this apostle, they all kept saying, yeah, and I got this great pocket knife. I got this great pocket knife. Gene went up and he said, yeah, I got this humongous sword. <laughs> it was kind of cute. But anyway, the Lord really put this on my heart because we started a spots class this week. And the spots is about cutting off the connection of the enemy to the spot in our soul. And so the Lord really had me use this as a demonstration. But just to get everybody motivated about spots before we go into sonship, one of the things that we started this year and that was put on the heart of the Lord to Gene was we have a spot book teaching. But now we have to actually expand out and now start teaching on the spots as a class. We've already had enough people go through the spots and, and go through that. But we're asking people to be committed. The class will be cut off after a certain time. Once we start it for the year, that's the people who have to finish it out for the end of the year. Because spots manifest. And so we have to be able to work with the group that commits for the year. So between now and February 3rd, I think it's February 3rd, you can come to the spots class and everybody has to decide who's committed for the year. Who is committed. doesn't mean you might not miss a class or not, but you have to be committed to going through that class for that year because we have to get everybody to know self-deliverance. And that's what we're going to be teaching in this class, in this spots class. And I want to show you the demo that, and I really wanted Stephen to see this. Stephen, did you see it earlier? Well, I'm going to show it to you right now. This is the, this is the trailer that we have working for the spots class. awesome I, <laughs> okay we're working on it I really need I need um it was an idea that the Lord gave me every time I would look at the spot books and see the spots I'd always hear James Bond and I didn't really understand why I was hearing James Bond but dealing with our spots when you saw the spots go by and then you saw the camera shutter that is the enemy spying you Think about it. If we have spots in our soul, our eyes can be used for that deception to be looking at somebody. How many times have somebody come up to you and they just treat you horrible? That was an enemy in their soul, not the person spying you. But then when you identified it and you hit it with the word of God, the blood, that thing that was coming down, that's supposed to be red. There's something wrong with our screen. It's supposed to be read, the blood of Christ washes down and wipes away the spot. And so the spot class is for us to get rid of the deceptions, the spots that are in our soul of unforgiveness, shame, and rejection, so that we can have a clear mind to do the works of Christ. So the Lord gave me James Bond, and I was like, I told Chris and, Chris and I were working on it, and I was like, I got to show it to... I keep thinking, Stephen can hire me. I have these creative ideas that the Lord gives me, right? For me to, but I kind of want him to tweak it, kind of make it a little bit more like we, you know, we own it. Something that I can actually put online because I had to take that from pieces online of um, James Bond intro. Like that was James Bond. I don't really want him there. I want, I want a body there, but not, it doesn't have to be James Bond. But what we're supposed to do, our mouth, when we spy the enemy, we can speak that word and it's done. And the blood of Jesus Christ washes over us and we are, and we are delivered from that spot. And now we just have to get healed. So it's very important that if you're wanting, how do you know you have a spot? A situation happens to you and your mind gets just so blown out that you can't even think or hear the Holy Spirit. How many times have you had that? Your mind, it just... <gasps> 
And then time went by and you don't even know what happened. That means there's a spot of deception in your soul, not in you, you're whole, but the spot of deception in your soul causes manifestations in your body. And so we want everybody healthy, whole, healed, delivered through Christ Jesus by renewing the mind and getting rid of the spots. So I wanted to kind of bring that up because between now and February 3rd, I want everybody to think about spots. And even if you think you're delivered from all your spots, it's still good. If you're not sure, come to this class because between now and the end of the year, the purpose is to have no more spots. Now, I'm going to challenge everybody's thinking. You can get your mind whole not to have spots, but you'll never stop the fall of the residue of an influence that can jump on you. So that means a person on the bottom row here, Christ is so possessed in their mind. These people do not have spots, but what do they still have left? Right. Which means if I am with a person, I'm, if I'm here doing what God has called me to do, and my mind is pure, clean, sanctified under Christ, and then I meet a lost person, this lost person could do what? Scream and yell at me. See, a sanctified mind attracts spots. So if you have a weak day and somebody wants to jump on you, man, you can feel it when somebody's discouraged. You can feel it when somebody has fear. You can feel it when somebody, come on, how many times have you hugged somebody and you could feel the enemy coming out of the residue of that person? You know what I mean? It's not them. It's a deceptive thought manifesting through their body because you have agreement with it. So the spots class is really important this year. This is the first time we're going to do it in a class, which really makes us nervous because I say that in a cute way, because when we got the visions in 2011, we had to close down this whole ministry because everybody's spots were flaring out on each other and it became gossip. It came deception. Boom, Jean had to close the ministry down until a few of us got through it. <laughs> so now there are overcomers in this building. And so most of the people that are ordained, if not all of them, really have gotten through this and they know how to do self-deliverance. They know their spiritual tools. They know their spiritual provision. They understand the knowledge of God and how God works and how you cut off that enemy. See, we are going to be so full of the knowledge and wisdom and understanding of the Lord that we actually receive a counsel and might to be able to help everybody else come into that same victory, right? The spotless bride. So are you excited about spots? Good. This is sonship, right? So, but I wanted to, I'm, 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 I'm showing off that little trailer that we made to try to get people to commit because I need your commitment for one year. You will change. Even if you, you know, you feel like you're clear, something's going to change into you. We've done so much counseling. It's amazing that now it's time to offer it as a class, but it took a lot of time to get some people revved up to start dealing with spots. But tonight we're going to be talking about wrinkles. Okay. So remember the word says that he is coming back for a bride with what? Without spots, without wrinkles and without blemishes. So I will tell you, if you can get rid of your spots, if you can get rid of your spots and you can identify what is a wrinkle, do you know your characters automatically, the blemishes are just going to wipe away? Yeah. If you can know how to iron out the wrinkles. Okay. So now here's the definition. So I just praise God and I honor God and I thank God for those of you who just walked in and didn't get to worship. We just have to honor him. And because God says, if you seek his kingdom and his righteousness, he has so many things he's going to take care of for us. So I just want to know tonight is a teaching. We're seeking understanding of the kingdom of God. That's what we're doing. And we're going to get a little bit of understanding of wrinkles tonight. Okay. So I'm going to give you the revelation God gave me on wrinkles. And then I'm going to hit the book of Maldonado's teaching. When I get to the book, I'm going to move quickly because I would like to actually complete this little section today. But if I don't, it's okay. So let me start off with, I remember when Jean was teaching about spots. And then I remember one time Dr. Siddiqui came in here and he told us a revelation on the fig tree, but I really can't remember what that revelation is, to be honest with you. But I remember it spurred um, excitement in me to really understand what was the definition of a wrinkle. I was going through this already before Dr. Like there's this flow. So I looked up Jean had said wrinkles are our works, 
okay? Everybody gets up every day and has to go to what? Work. Works aren't just the job you go to. Works are what you get up and decide to do every day. So we all have to get up and we have to do something. Getting up and brushing your teeth is a what? Work. Getting up and making your bed, that is what? Work. Hey, for a depressed person to even get out of their bed is what? Work. All right? So God says in if we seek his righteousness, we will actually do works that please him by faith and indeed. All right? So when I looked up wrinkle, it was kind of interesting. Wrinkle, wrinkle, a definition of wrinkle is works. A definition of wrinkle is fig. I'm serious. If you start researching this, so when I talk about works, we're saying that their works are the, we have to iron out the wrinkle in our shirts, in our clothing, in our works. But God told a story about a fig tree, which a fig in the whole thing is talking about the works that we choose to walk out on this earth. So I can wake up and know that if I have kids, I have to get up and do what? Take care of my kids. That's a work. God assigned me that. He gave me an assignment to raise up kids and to take care of those kids. But there are works that are done in righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? Righteousness is our relationship that is in right standing with the Father, through the Son, working through the Holy Spirit. So we've got to tap in and have get that spirit moving so we can know what works to do. So we have the spots class so we can hear what works to do. So there are works that are common sense, things we have to do, but then there are works that God has called us to. Everybody in here, God has called to a work, but he doesn't want you to do it out of what you figured out. He wants you to do it by the revelation of his word. He wants you to do it by the revelation of his instruction. He wants you to do it by the revelation of the correction. Whatever he's asked you to do, he's going to give you a revelation of something he's asking you to do. Hey, how are you? You can sit back there. there. Those seats are good if you want to pull up another one. But praise God. So we're moving into a time where we have to produce fruit from our works. Okay? Works are produced through us. And people will know them. It says, I will know them by their fruit. Right? So we got to figure out how do we produce fruit? How do we produce works that are righteous in him instead of works that are based out of ourself, out of ourself. So we have to decide, am I going to live in the kingdom of God or am I going to live in religion? So now we're going to talk about the story of the fig tree and this will be important. You ready to do verses back there? All right. If you can pick up Mark chapter 11, verse 21 and 22. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We have a choice. When we leave in the kingdom, we're either going to have faith, faith in God or we're going to have faith in man. Okay? Who is instructing your works? Where is the righteous standing of a relationship moving you in faith? to accomplish the works of Christ in your life. Remember, my testimony is the testimony I have in Christ. As you grow in righteousness, you will have your own unique, beautiful, special testimony that he is doing a work in you. The first thing he's going to do is do the work in us. Then whatever we overcome, he's expecting us to do the work in another. He's going to put you in a place to help another. So it says... When we think about reformation, you know, all through history, you hear the word reformation. Have you heard that word reformation? Time for re reform. Time for reform. That means time for change. That means we get stuck in things and there are leaders that are called to birth out a change in Christ. And so it says the reform of God is executing in our time includes the removal of religious thinking that has infected the body of Christ. We're entering in a time where when his presence and glory enters, it's going to wipe away the religious thoughts of works. There is a religious thought of works. Come on. I'm the first person. You've all heard this. I grew up in the Episcopal church. 
I did the works of the Episcopal Church. I did not do the works of faith in God. I did the works by man-made denomination. I did not do, they were, were they bad works? No, they were not bad works. They were good works. It was a good form, but it wasn't the ultimate that God had for destiny of what I was to complete. When you get a prophecy and the Lord said, you will become something or you will grow up to be something, there is time that has to happen to mature you to that spot. We want to be matured right away, pass the course and move on to the next destiny. But it doesn't work that way in Christ. It's a process. It's a process of our soul being renewed. So when we step into our conversion of Christ, living for Christ, and he wants to take the spots out of our soul, he also wants to change our works, our wrinkles, things that we used to do out of religion, wrinkles your shirt. Because when you, when something's wrinkled up, You've had to work it, haven't you? Okay, I, I roll up my sleeves so I can work. What does it create? Wrinkles. Oh, I got an event to go to. I got to dress up, right? Ah, oh, my shirt's all what? Wrinkly, right? I want you to think of it like that. Sometimes in religion, now remember, religion is not a bad word. I'm not here to tell you religion's a bad word. In fact, the Lord says in James, the only religion out there is for those when you take care of the poor, you take care of the needs of the widow and you take care of the needs of those who are fatherless. Do you know what I mean? And it also says that um, re true religion is staying, is staying unspotted from the world. Unspotted from the world. Man, that's really awesome. If we can stay unspotted from the world, then our works will not be infected by man. Now get this. What are we called to do together? We're called to what? Love each other. I'm to love each and every one of you. You're to love me. You know what I mean? I don't have to buy and sell my works with you. I don't have to say, you do this. I do this. We're good. Because when you do that, you're expecting a return from somebody. And in Christ, we're not to expect a return. Okay? In Christ, we're to sow and sow what God tells us to do in a work, but we reap in another way. We're not to look at a person to what I can get from them. We have to look at a person through the eyes of Christ, which true religion is help the poor, help the widow, help those who are fatherless, get them to their destiny. So we have to purify our hearts, our minds, and we have to return to God's original design. There is a design he created. And you know what the design is? I get so excited about this because my visual is just really funny about it. The design is in the garden. And when they were in the garden, they were what? Naked. Okay, you guys all love you really laugh, right? You know what I mean? But when we're free, we're naked before God. That means we have nothing to hide. We had nothing to cover. We have nothing. Our works are so pure that even if we do something wrong, we're not trying to hide it because our motive is purified. Okay. We can enter into a church. And let me tell you, I thought that I was to go to the Episcopal church and I got my envelope every, every, every year. And on that envelope had every date. And on that envelope, I was to write how much I was to pay. And honestly, I grew up always picking up the envelope cart with my name on it. Do you know what I mean? Or my family's name. And when you picked it up, then that, I just felt like I paid to go to church. Do you know what I mean? That would be what? A kingdom work or religious work? Religious work. See, we all are born into the world and we learn religious works that aren't true religion. Okay? Ironing out the wrinkles are finding those areas of deception that you were taught to do the lie and never really obtain the wholeness of the truth and to become whole. When I learned I'm to reap where I did not sow, man, that's big. And I'm in sales. I'm to reap where I did not sow. That is awesome. When I started getting to that, man, you could love anybody. Because when you think, I'm going to take care of this for Tierra but I'm not going to reap back from Tierra. Do you get what I'm saying? Meaning I'm going to have a love relationship where I'm going to give, not because I'm going to receive. But yet we have to be a receiver because we're all called to what? 
reap. It becomes the most beautiful cycle of love if you can kind of grips it and you truly become naked because there's no nothing that you can't hide because that's what God's looking for. He's looking for a church that's purified so that they can be naked before him and then he's ready to come. When he gets that right amount of love in the earth, that is his ingathering to receive from where he sowed. Isn't that powerful? He has got something to receive, Jesus does. And it's not because we're looking for the exchange. We're just looking to exchange love, transparency, truth, and get the wrong deceptions out of our mind. Please put up Luke 17, 6. I love it. We are going to study this and take a look at this topic through a couple verses. And I'm going to walk you through this. It says, so the Lord said, if you have faith as a what? Mustard seed. Come on. We know this. We know this first. I love this. This is a verse. I call it. I look at us sometimes like little syringes and we're full of all this word, but we have no idea how to administer it. <laughs> we have no authority to administer it. This is one of those ones. You hear this everywhere. I don't care. You, you memorize this in school. You get this somewhere. You've heard of faith in the mustard seed. Well, it said, so the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the what? See, and it would obey you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There is a work that God has all called us to do, and that's to iron out our wrinkles, right? How are we going to be able to iron our wrinkles? We've got to know what that power of that faith is. Do you know what the beautiful thing about a mustard seed is? A mustard seed is a tiny, everybody seen a little tiny mustard seed? It's a lot of tiny mustard seed. You can take that seed and you cannot cross hybrate that seed. So why do they compare faith to a mustard seed? Because you cannot take that seed. I cannot try to create a new herb. Hey, come on, you know science. They can splice something of a seed, match it to another seed, and try to create other things. But that doesn't mix. The mustard seed can never be hybrided to create anything. They've tried. Can't do it. The faith of a mustard seed is the tiniest seed. But when it grows, it produces like wildfire when it goes. So when the faith is ignited, boom, it goes. It, but it cannot be crossbred with another plant. It won't do it. That's how strong our faith has to be in our works of righteousness. We have to know when God calls you to a work and says, okay, Lee, you're gonna, you, you don't owe this. You know, you have a free car. You're going to give that car away. Whoa, wait a second. You're asking me to give my car away. All right. You get what I'm saying? When God asks you to do a thing, you've got to have faith as strong as a mustard seed because you have to know that God is calling you to do it because you're not going to reap where you sowed, but he's going, you are going to receive something back. See, he wants us to get in that mindset because then we start ironing out the wrinkles of religion. You know what I mean? Well, I'd rather just pay my tithe on the envelopes where you write down your, your, you write down what you make every year and they tell you what your 10% is. But no, God says, no, I don't want you to tithe. Like I'm, I'm asking you to give your car to this person. Do you see what I'm saying? See, God challenges the mindset. We're all called to tithe, but we're called to tithe from the heart of love, but we're still called to do offerings that he works. He has called us to do. And so I love it when it says, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. That means when God asks you to do something, you're going to go do it because it's, gonna, it's going to obey you. The authority of the kingdom of God in you. Hey, it's amazing. I'm sure you've all experienced when the spirit bubbles up and you speak it and it has to perform. It happened to me today. You want to hear a cute little testimony? I am doing work. The Lord showed me for, and I'm using Mamie and Carl. The Lord showed me Mamie and Carl, you know, this year was the year that he was going to step out in real estate and he was going to really experience and learn this, this profession. Well, 
It's always been on my heart that they would do Bloomingdale because we're building two little homes in Bloomingdale, right? So this is all logical, right? I'm buying and selling right now. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the plan that we created for Mamie and Carl. Well, we have a meeting today and it just bubbled up when I introduced and I said, and they're going to bloom in Bloomingdale. Why? That's so cute, right? But it was really my spirit speaking. It really was my spirit speaking because it just bubbled up and came out. No kidding. During the meeting, during the meeting, this is so beautiful, a call comes into the office. Somebody who has 10 acres on John Carter Road in Bloomingdale, and they want CE Hall to build a house. So when calls come in like that, on the ticket said what? Bloomingdale. Bloomingdale. I immediately went from Francis, said, here you go. And it's a $400,000 build. Here you go. They got, they called them, got them in the office, secured them this afternoon, and we're moving tomorrow. Come on. Isn't that awesome? You don't get what I'm saying. It goes deeper. It goes deeper. Carl's had his real estate license. Carl has had his real estate license since since the summer of 2015. He's not been able to do anything in August. August. Well, that's the summer. Summer of 2015. So, so... Lisa on the spirit, even back then, because I'm like, when can we do real estate? When can we do real estate? When? Well, no, all last year, God had Carl positioned to learn the foundation of construction. So he's been in the building, like, you know, the construction and building. Well, we had a meeting, what, a few days ago, and I'm crying, like, when can we do real estate? Like, what? what is moving? Like, you know, what, God, what needs to happen for us to move? What was, it was nothing that Carl and I could have done within ourselves for anything to move. It was really the timing of God because when she, the moment she said, um, when she introduced us to the people that came over, the lenders, she said, these are, um, this is Team Atkins. They're blooming in Bloomingdale. That was 12 noon. At 12 noon is when the phone call came in from the people who came in to meet with us. So they're, and they're coming back tomorrow. Like it's a done deal. It's a done deal. In fact, it's one of those deals that only can be from God. But now let me explain something here. It was spoken in the spirit over Mamie and Carl that they would have to firm up their foundation this year. They've been with us a couple years, but God was not going to build on a foundation that was not going to be stable. Stable in what? Their faith had to be strong as a mustard seed. I mean, I'm, I mean, I could cry watching how God tested that this whole year. And they had moments where they're like, where, where are we growing? Where are we going? What are we doing? It's not about that. It was about, I would say to them all the time, this is the year, of, I would repeat it because the Lord, when he used me to speak the foundation, what would I say? The same answer. He is building your foundation. Is it moving or is it not? If it's wanting to move, then it's not ready to build on top. And so what was so beautiful about it is they actually had to be pulled up by the root, the enemies to sit their foundation and it had to be thrown out to the sea. And now they have to hear to be, to, to obey. So now they have to hear the instruction this year. Their foundation is set. Their faith can be as solid as a mustard. seed. It's not going to hibernate. Okay. Now God's going to see, now let's see how well you obey. The being at this meeting today, Carl could have gone out and done another job. He knew to be at this meeting today. Do you know what I mean? It was, it's not in the plan of what we know. It's how will you obey and walk it out? Everybody has to clear their foundation and get it set. That's like ironing out the wrinkles. You're not only removing the spots. We have walls. We come in here with walls. They got to be torn down. Then the foundation has to be broken up. Then it has to be smoothed over where we know it doesn't move. So God now then can test you with obedience. You're being attested obedience the whole time. But the obedience that happens after you uproot and you throw that and you call that thing into the sea is better than any obedience that you can experience. And that's what happened today. They actually experienced some fruit of their last year. Okay, isn't that awesome? And fruit is not just about, we're talking about works today. So that was a perfect example of fruit that manifested a work. And you know, the bottom line is those, that couple that came in today, God just wants them connected. It's not about building a house, right? God wants them connected with this ministry. And we know that I get up every day. I am not coming to work for money. 
Now, do I have to work money? Yes, because Ephesians tell me I have to labor to gather money so I can do what? Supply need. That's it. We grow, we, we get, we, we mature in Christ so we can labor for him in the works of righteousness and our faith becomes immovable as a, as a mustard seed so we can do the works. And I'm going to tell you, he will always supply all your need because you're taking care of the need of another. So even though that couple can afford a $400,000, that's a greater need. There is something else God has for them. It's the ultimate love exchange. I like it. When we were working the meeting, we, we won their heart over nakedness. We didn't win their heart over our company so great. We won their heart with nakedness. I give them the bare truth and they have to make a choice. People come in. Some people don't want nakedness. They want you to lie for them. When they start telling you how they want to see it, you can step out and your faith has to be really strong to give up. We gave up a $2 million deal this year because in the spirit, the Lord said not to take it. But they came in the store. I'll give you $400,000 to put down on this right now. Begging us to push towards something. See, the enemy will push you to take deception. And it crumbles that faith that you did build up with him. Because when you realize the enemy just stole from you, you now have to go back and be healed from that type of robbery. There is a robbery that the devil tries to steal from us. So we will not do the works of righteousness. All right. This is awesome. It's so beautiful. Go up to Matthew 21, verse 18 and 19. Jesus actually cursed a fig tree. You all kind of know the story, but we're going to walk through it. Because it had nothing but foliage and leaves, representing a religious spirit. It says, now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. This is Jesus. Next verse. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves and said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately, the fig tree withered away. Now, I remember the first time I read that. That sounded so harsh. Didn't you think Jesus was kind of harsh? Where's the love? Where's the love? Okay. Let me tell you, every, there is no love there. He just cursed that fig tree, poor guy. He's got some leaves. What was he looking for? Well, he was looking, he noted that that tree had no fruit. Now, let me tell you something that's interesting about a fig tree is a fig tree produces, all trees produce leaves, then they produce flowers, and then they produce fruit. Some don't produce flowers. They go from leaves right to fruit. Well, a fig tree in Jerusalem bears its first fruit in August. I mean, I'm sorry, in June. It's called the, it's called, um, it's like baby fruit. It's not matured. It's not ready for picking, but it starts to spur its fruit. Well, in this passage, it was that time. And that fig tree had its leaves, but it wasn't bearing any of its, it wasn't bearing any of its fruit. Okay. Jesus called us and said that if we do not have spots of deception and we are doing works unto him, then we are going to produce fruit no matter what. See, I feel today we experience something of the works in Christ. They're now actually experiencing. Fruit comes back to you. Fruit goes out. Fruit comes back in. Well, in this case, a fig, remember what I said? A fig means wrinkle. A wrinkle means works. We are all trees of life. God calls us to be a tree of life planted that no matter what, when the sun comes, our leaves do not what? Wither away. We have fruit that we bear in season. Okay? So that means there's different fruit we have to bear in different seasons. But we are always fruit-producing trees. The fullness of Christ we have right here. The glorious sons of God are what? A tree of life. A tree of life is always bearing fruit. But if we're only bearing leaves and we're not bearing fruit... Now, this, this revelation is not from me. This revelation is from Apostle Maldonado. He said, God is looking for our fruit, not our leaves. Because as he put it here, when Jesus cursed the fig tree, something significant took place. But to understand and know what it represents, 
we must return to Genesis. Now, this is deep. I love this revelation. Before the fall of man, Adam and Eve lived in the presence of God. I already kind of started on this. They lived in the presence of God without shame, without condemnation. They were what? Naked in every sense of the word. Not just physically naked, but they weren't even ashamed. They had no shame on them. All right. I, I, this is just so good. It says their souls, their spirits were an open book. That means they were open to receive anything God wanted to give them. And because they had nothing to hide, they were transparent among themselves and God. They had no impurities and they had no blame. That means no blame means some Adam wasn't accusing Eve and Eve wasn't accusing Adam. There was no blame because they were working together in the presence of God. This is so beautiful. However, when they disobeyed God, they ran and tried to use fig leaves. This, I thought this was so awesome. To cover their nakedness. Now, okay, now I'm going to get into something real deep. Go ahead and put up. Now, this is now, I'm, I'm going on a Lee revelation now. Okay, Genesis 3, 7. This is good. I mean, this is a revelation from a book that we're using to guide us through discipleship. But now, here we're going to really hit this. Do we want to do works that are in the kingdom or do we want to do works of religion? Well, we want to do works that are what? Kingdom. Because we know where we sow, there's going to be reaping, but it, we are, we're building our understanding of living in the presence of God. Being in the kingdom is living in the presence of God. Then the eyes of both of them were what? Opened. Okay. And they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves, oh, this makes me sick, coverings. Oh, man. Now, this is a Lee revelation. All right. The only righteous works that we can do are the works of who is our head. Who is our head? Jesus. Now, I'm going to show you how the religion gets into terminology. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is like, this revelation came to me, and it's not written in the book. This is just spurred from this book, and it was so beautiful. When we choose to cover ourselves or pick a covering, okay, I'm going to make this sure really quick right here. Kingdom Life Ministries is a life center. It's a place where people get delivered, healed, changed, matured to go do what God has called them to do. Not what Lee has told them to do. Not what Jean has told them to do. Not what Sheila, not what any of our leaders here. Do you know what I mean? In fact, that word leader, I, I, I'm not, I, when I looked at the definition, it means to move something forward. It doesn't mean put a title on me. We have spirits of apostolic here. We have a spirit of teaching here. We have, we have spirit and their functions that God gives us special gifts to help people mature in the body. But it's not, who am I? I am Christ Jesus. Being in the mind, the soul becoming one with the Father. We're to move as Christ's likeness in the image of God. Well, the image was God was to be what? Naked. Okay? It was naked. <laughs> there was nothing to cover you when you're in the presence of God. Okay, now come on. We all, Thessalonians, man, I know, I, I laugh at Kenrick because I remember when Kenrick got this revelation with me. Everybody's born into sin, which means everybody's born into a covering, a religious covering. Baptist, Pentecostal, you give it, it's got a name. Those names are not in the Bible, okay? So I grew up under a covering. I hid myself with fig leaves. Fig means wrinkle. Wrinkle means what? Works. I hid myself with the works of the Episcopal Church. So when somebody said, so what religion are you? Episcopal. We're not Episcopalian. What religion am I? Christ. Christ. I, what, what do I belong? The kingdom of God. It's in me. What am I trying to do? Manifest the kingdom of heaven on earth. 
through me. Oh, okay. If we are truly transparent, I'm telling you, there is no such thing as a covering. Okay. But the Lord showed me what it means to be covered and covered means to intertwine. So that means when kingdom life ministry matches up with glory, glory ministry center, we're coming together to do a righteous work and we're going to iron out our wrinkles together so we can advance the kingdom of God in Savannah and Brunswick because we're going to be naked. <laughs> we're going to be naked, which means we're going to be so transparent with each other. There is no spot that can stand. There is no work. I don't have to go collect fig leaves and sew them together to cover up my private parts. Do you get the beauty of this? You're either going to choose Christ's step and work for your maturity, or you're going to choose man's. And when you see a fig tree and it has no fruit, then you're picking a covering. Now, that's not in the book. That's the revelation I got out of that. I mean, it hit me like rocks. You should see me. And it hit me last night. I, and I, I have a guest at my house, and I stayed up to 1.30, you know me, ministering, right? And I can't go to bed without my meat. That's just how it is. I was up till 3 o'clock. And when it hit me, it was one of those moments I fell back on my pillow. <gasps> oh, this is good. Like, what I'm saying is that word covering is abused out there. Don't you want to understand its truth? So I felt God really revealed the truth of that. We are covered by the blood of the lamb. So just like the spots when the blood came down, we're covered by the blood. We're covered. That's, that's our covering, Jesus Christ. But now we are called to partner with people. The word says we are to partner with people. We are to come into unity of the faith. And until the unity of the faith comes, the fullness of Christ is not manifest on the earth. So it, it's so beautiful. We love each other. God has assigned everybody to a specific ministry where they can grow and learn. That's what kingdom life is about. We're not here to try to control you. We're here to try to help you grow up and know whose you are, who you are, so you can do the righteous works and iron out those wrinkles. Move out of religion and become naked to him. Because I don't care. The, the Lord showed me this. I could be doing something with Sheila. And Sheila and I could be walking towards something. But if our motive is right and our heart is right, and we are completely naked about the whole thing, and we are in agreement and it's wrong, do you know he covers us with the blood? He says, because they agreed in me and they walked it out with me. And even if it didn't turn out good, he says, I got them protected because they did it from my heart. They did it from my heart. So there's more power in two people going towards a lie if it's in Christ versus going towards what you think is the truth. Do you get where I'm going on this? So when the Lord revealed that to me, I thought it was beautiful. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew they were naked and they sew fig leaves. They started sewing the works on their body. Do you know what I mean? To cover up their wrong motive, the lie of deception that you don't even know that's in you. I like that. So let's start pulling off the fig leaves. <laughs> let's start pulling off those leaves. You know what I mean? But the best part about this, before the Gentiles could get redeemed by Jesus, they had to go to who first? The Jews, right? Even, even Peter and Paul always went to the Jews first out of honoring that they were his people. But when Jesus came, he took all people. But they honored him. When they refused them, they went immediately to the what? Gentiles. Well, guess what? We have to have leaves before we have fruit. That means there is no fruit until you've experienced what it was like to derobe your leaves. There is no tree that doesn't produce a leaf before fruit. So now you have to do what? It's okay that we have religious leaves sometimes and we've sewn them together in our mental belief of what is truth. But now it's time to what? Disrobe. This ministry, you come in in the spirit, you just see everything falling off. They come closer to this altar. They start in the back row. I know. I sat in the back row. I was like, okay, this place. Yeah. 
They raise their hands and speak in tongues, and I never even heard of that. What's a prophet? <laughs> no, I'm being serious. That was me at 40 years old. And then over the past eight years, I every time a truth comes, I jump to another. I jump to another. I jump to another row. I come for, further because I want to stand up here and be in the what? The presence where all the leaves can fall, and now the fruit can manifest out of the meditation of my heart. Which fruit is going to come from your what? lips. It's going to come from your words. We want to hear the fruit of righteousness. We want to hear the fruit that's produced from ironed out wrinkles. I don't want a perfect person that's never had wrinkles, that sewed fig leaves to hide. I want the person that comes in here that has all that because that's the power. Because unity and faith in Christ is overcoming what he has called us to do in him. Righteous works are only what's done in him. I could, the things that God has asked me to do over these years have seemed so impossible that sometimes I look back and I think I did that. Because when you get, you're in that moment and you're in his presence and he's calling you to do it, it seems impossible. Then when time goes back and you go back and look at what you did, you go, I got through that. I did that. That came through me. Oh my, that is only what? God. No man could, could, could do that to me. But yet man, because of man's love, God loved Adam and Eve so much, he put him in the garden in the presence so that they could be free and naked. Now, come on, this is so awesome. When we get to that state, we're free in him to go do what he asked us to do because we're not going to sit there and try to figure it out. We don't have to figure it out. We just have to keep walking it out because that faith becomes as strong as a mustard. It cannot hybrate. Man, you can call something to be uprooted and it goes into the sea and it's really gone. You can really speak to a mountain and it will do what? Come down. You can, you can do anything because the greater one is in you than you are in this world. So it's so beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, it's, I'm telling you, it's a love story. I get into it like a love story. I'm just thinking, I get like love story songs just start thinking in my mind. Do you know what I mean? I do. I love it. It's a love song. The next time, the next time that leaves present themselves, the next time Adam and Eve present themselves before God, their souls now were in a sinful nature. But they thought that the fig leaves were enough to cover their sin and make them acceptable. See, Adam and Eve, it's so powerful. Right when Adam and Eve did the fig leaves, then God said, okay, now I got I to gotta figure out a way to redeem them. So what did he do? He picked an animal. He had an animal killed. And then they started wearing animal skins. Okay. So that means sometimes we can get so far in our deception that we believe that religion so much, that false belief that we start dressing ourselves up in more layers because the only way that we can come to his, the fullness of Christ is somebody has to redeem us. So God set up the redemption plan of Christ already in that next step by killing the animal, spreading out his blood. Do you know what I mean? And letting them wear the cloth. That means, okay, now they were going to have to grow up in him because they left the presence. So now they were going to have to be redeemed back. And God was already showing the order of it. Jesus came, was crucified on the cross. He had to shed what? Blood. If we are going to wear the mindset of Christ, man, we have to go through the same thing. Now we have to go through the same unshedding of all. It's, that's why you laugh when it says the, angel, the enemy comes as an angel of light dressed up in a great suit. Do you know what I'm saying? Dressed up in all this. But yet, there is nothing of any substance in him. And see, that's what we do in church, don't we? Don't we come like we run and we dress up? I'm not saying there, and I'm telling you right now, there is nothing wrong with dressing up. If your heart and, and the Lord, I'm not telling people to be poor and dress ugly. But you don't let that control who you are. That is not going to be who you are. If you like a hat, wear a hat. I'm happy for you. But if that's your righteousness... And that's your work, then that's, you're going to see that coming from a mile away. 
God wants a beauty from the inside out to manifest. Then we can actually enjoy the things of coverings. We can enjoy relationships. Think about it. We can actually enjoy a covering. We can enjoy wearing nice clothes because we've developed a right relationship with him. Now he says, now I'm going to attach you to another place or to another person to grow in that beauty. So isn't that awesome? So, hey, remember the big, the big revelation on it to me is you're going to either choose to please man and wear his covering or you're going to choose to please God and be led by the spirit. A child of God is led by the spirit of God and they're going to go where God had sent them. I love everybody in here. God sent a person here. If you're sent here, it's time to disrobe and it doesn't have to be painful here. We really have it worked out. If you become transparent enough, you actually start laughing at yourself when you realize, okay, there's no fruit there, but there's a leaf. <laughs> you know what I mean? You actually start laughing. That's why when I laugh, I'm never laughing at anybody. I'm laughing with the people. And I know that sometimes me as a teacher, I do laugh a lot because I can go back and see exactly where God was disrobing my false coverings and wanting to show me where the truth was. And so what's the time check, guys? Okay. I think that we are probably going to leave it at that. Unless I can, I'll, I'll read this one thing. In, I'm just going to lead with what was God's answer. Okay, because God wants to answer something to each and every one of you. God wants the awareness of his presence. It says, when God saw Adam and Eve covered in the fig leaves, he performed a prophetic act. He killed an innocent animal, like we said. We shed his blood. He used its skin to replace the fig leaves on Adam and Eve. This was symbolic of what was already predestined to take place in Christ. The fig leaves represented the religious activities, external coverings. When man feels guilty before God, he tries to do what? Cover himself. Come on, you tell a lie. Come on, who stole the cookie from the cookie jar? My sister did. Right? Okay. Because she stole one too. I stole one, but she stole one too. <laughs> Come on, there are six kids in my family. We all stole from the cookie jar. But I laugh at that because we actually naturally try to cover up what's not truth. It's in our nature. It's our nature because why? The fall of Adam and Eve. So God was actually trying to show us a process for us to live and grow in him. He actually says he tried to cover himself with external religions, activities, hoping that it would make him acceptable. See, how many times do we say we, we, we look through the magazines and this is the hot outfit. Now, I'm gonna, don't laugh at me. You know the hot thing going is what? Skinny jeans, right? Guys are even wearing skinny jeans, right? Okay, no offense. Not like the skinny jean thing, but I got, you know, good chicken legs here. You know what I mean? Like I got some meat, but I never really like the chicken, the, the, the skinny jean thing. You know what I mean? It's just not something I like anyway. Even if I had the skinny legs, I might not like it. But what I'm saying is if I went out now and went and got skinny jeans because all the women in the ministry wearing skinny jeans, I wouldn't be doing that from who I am. I wouldn't be doing it from who I am because I really don't like skinny jeans. You know what I mean? I thought about that. If I had skinny legs, would I wear skinny jeans? No, I, I don't think I would. You know what I mean? I like looser clothes. Like, you know what I mean? But we're all different. But think about how many times we took a trend on and we covered it on and we placed it on ourselves to be acceptable. To be acceptable. How many times have we done that to be acceptable? Well, God didn't call us to do that, to be acceptable. We're not to join a church to be acceptable. We're not to dress a certain way to be what? Acceptable. We are to recognize God's growing something in us. And that doesn't mean I can't receive. Paige gave me a beautiful sweater for Christmas. I liked it. The funny thing is when she gave it to me, I opened up the presents. The first thing she said was what? What did you say when I opened up? She didn't know Carrie bought that particular sweater. What's the first thing you said? I don't know. I love it. I want one like it. She opened I opened it up at Carrie and Paige's house and she said, Oh, Carrie. Right? I want one. Do you know what I mean? But it's so cute. The whole time when I opened the sweater, I had already bought her one. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, right. Like the same sweater was picked out just like that. Isn't that awesome? Now, I want you to think about that. It's kind of cute. Like, it's okay to have things in common is what I'm trying to say. She wasn't having that like in that sweater because, you know, it's because Lee had it. Oh, I'll know, Rachel was in school. Oh, this is so awesome. This hits us perfect. I covered Rachel. <laughs> Rachel was in first grade. And she came home and she said, Mom, I need to get these jeans. And I said, okay. So I got her those jeans. You know, she wanted those jeans. And then I saw the girl down the street had the same jeans. And then she goes, Mom, I need a silver chain. I was like, why do you need a silver chain? She goes, well, Aaron has a silver chain. And this person's wearing this. And this person's wearing that. And I was like, whoa. Like, I'm serious. And then I had the little thing in her organizer, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's the parent I was. I tucked her into bed. I already had all the clothes from the week. All she had to do is take from the cubby, put on her clothes. But already at five and six years old, she had an opinion. That is not what they're wearing at school. And I was like, all right, you should have seen me and her. I was like, all right. I didn't know at that time I didn't pray to God about things. I thought I had great intuition. naturally. I just was like, all right, this girl's going to private school. <laughs> I'm going to cover her. I'm going to cover her in the same uniform everybody else is wearing. So I don't have to fight with her in the morning. No, I'm being serious. Rachel and I, our personalities. Rrr. Do you know what I mean? Cause we, why? That's my daughter. We're the same in a lot of things, but I would have wanted to, I already saw that this relationship with her picking out her clothes wasn't going to be good for me. Because I grew up wearing what I was told to wear, and I never fought it. I mean, I never fought it. I didn't really have an opinion about, I don't have an opinion about fashion. That's me. But I learned, oh, my God, how did my daughter become opinionated in fashion? She really does. It's her nature. She really loves necklaces and clothes and things like that. I can't, I can't strip that away from her because that's what makes her beautiful. That's what makes her unique. But let me tell you. I decided that I was going to make my life a lot easier between second grade and high school. And that girl wore the same. She fell in love with her one uniform skirt. I swear she wore that from eighth grade to senior year, that uniform skirt. She would iron it, sew it, and I'd buy her five skirts. But they were like, Mom, they're all the same. This is my favorite one. So, but you get what I'm saying? I actually set her up and I covered her. Do you know what I mean? To not be who she really was. Oh, ouch. Do you know what I mean? For my own sanctification and parenting. <laughs> Anybody who's had girls, come on, Sheila, help me here. Yeah, you want to shut it down, right? But think about that. Think about that. I cut her acceptability right out. Do you know what I mean? I didn't work with her, did I? I did. I saw an action. I was like, I'd rather pay $9,000 a year than that. <laughs> You know, but I actually cut out, I made her be like everybody else and wear a uniform because I truly believed her true identity would emerge, which it did. She never changed. Everybody knows Rachel. She still has to have, she, she still has to have the leopard shirt, the leopard that, you know, I mean, like the girl does awesome. Do you know what I mean? And I love it when she does that. When Rachel comes in and says, mom, does this look good? I was like, I love that child. She's got style. I don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I love her for having this. I don't want to repress that style now. Now I want her to emerge and I want her to choose what makes her feel comfortable. And so it's not about judging what a person's wear. It's about judging what is being developed in them. And so Christ came to already teach us that he wants us acceptable before him. So if you're ironing out your wrinkles, your works, just know he wants you to do the work that's acceptable to him in the unique way he created you. But he's going to work some things out. He's got to iron out those clothes, iron out those wrinkles so that you can be doing what's acceptable to him. So I'm going to tell you right now, when you come and you become a part of Kingdom Life Ministry and you wear the logo, I don't want to hear, hey, that's my identity. I don't want to hear that. I don't even want to see that. I want you to say, I belong. I'm a part of the fellowship of Kingdom Life Ministries to advance the kingdom of God in the earth. And God is creating my identity in him. Not to be a clone of anybody here, but to be developed in the spirit and the gift that you were given. That's it. How many times do we want to be like somebody? Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't, we're not to be, we're, we got to be who we're called to be. Do you know what I mean? But there's nothing wrong with fellowship because don't forsake the assembly. We've got to belong to ministries and belong places. God sets you in a place to help change the atmosphere. But I love it. So praise God. All right. Did you like that lesson? All right.
So there's more to that, but it really did. I thought it was a great starter, but we need to start recognizing, you know what I mean? When God is working to disrobe a leaf so he could get some fruit. Because remember, I didn't finish this. The fig tree produces a baby fruit in June, but then its true fruit manifests, the fullness of its fruit manifests in August. Now, I want you to think about that timing because right now we're in a season of death. It doesn't change every year. There's death, burial, and then a rest before the resurrection. Fruit has to come and start forming before the resurrection. All right. Fruit has to start. Well, June, between June, August, September, that is the month is, is when we're supposed to be emerging in what God has already processed us for the year. So that's what I loved about your story. I love that their works from last year is already producing a harvest for them, but they didn't do it because they chose to do it. God chose how to filter it into their system. So when Jesus called the, to the fig tree cursed, it's because he already saw in the season that there was supposed to be fruit. There was what? None. It held on to its covering, the leaves. Do you know what I mean? So those trees are dead. God, how many times do we walk in a church and people are just what? Dead. There is no life. They have leaves, but they don't have life. They don't bear the fruit of true life. And we're going to talk more, but we'll continue that back next week because Gene's going to be out of town next week. So he's not going to be teaching. We're going to finish this one up then. All right. So is that good? I love you guys. It's so awesome. Beautiful fruit in this room. All right. So let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your word because your word is so powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division between the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. And truly is, is the true discerner of the heart and motives in which we move and, and, and experience the earth that you have given us to enjoy and be responsible for. So, Lord, I thank you for the kingdom of God that's within each and every one of us to expand and to disrobe and to take on the covering of Christ Jesus. So, Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that works us into the knowledge of him into the understanding through his spirit, through his might, through his counsel, through the fear of the Lord. Lord, we just thank you for your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.